Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, well, it is quite the month of June here at uh, St. Andrew with uh, Pentecost and Confirmation two weeks ago. Uh, baptism and First Holy Communions last week. Next week, we will welcome new members into our church family. And then Vacation Bible School will begin immediately after that. But today is also a very special day because today is also Father's Day. And it is not just any old Father's Day, I can assure you, because uh, today is actually the anniversary of the very first Father's Day which was celebrated on this day, June 19th, in the state of Washington, uh, thanks to a woman by the name of uh, Sonora Smart, whose father uh, was a single parent who raised uh, six children on his own. And so after hearing a uh, Mother's Day sermon preached in her church the previous year, uh, Sonora Smart went to her pastor and said that there ought to be a holiday also honoring our fathers, which he then took uh, to the local ministerial alliance. And the rest, as we say, is history, except for the fact that Mother's Day, which inspired Father's Day, has its origins on this side of the country, in the state of West Virginia, during what was known as the Re uh, reconciliation campaigns in the post-Civil War era when mothers would get together, the mothers of both Union and Confederate soldiers would unite and they would celebrate reconciliation and their common love for their children. Which brings me to yet another far newer holiday that we also are here to celebrate and has just become a, a national holiday in our country. And that is known by a number of names, uh, including Juneteenth. Now, uh, I will confess to you uh, that uh, I know many of you, like me, uh, are embarrassed to say that you didn't even know what Juneteenth was until uh, recent years, even though it has been uh, recognized in 48 of the 50 of our states and just this last year became uh, a federal holiday. And for those who don't know, uh, Juneteenth commemorates this day, June 19th in the year 1865, when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas to proclaim freedom to slaves in that area of our country, more than two years after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, two months after the end of the Civil War. And so Juneteenth is a celebration of freedom for those for whom it had already been won. And from that day, June 19th, 1865, Juneteenth was celebrated primarily in, guess where, churches in the city of Galveston, and then in the city of Houston, and then in other cities and towns across the South and at other places uh, in our country as well. And so if like Mother's Day and Father's Day, the federal government wants to take a page out of the playbook of the Christian church, I'm good with that. And that brings me to the Word of God, which is what every Sunday and every day is really all about here at St. Andrew and on this June 19th comes to us from the letter of St. Paul to a friend of his by the name of Philemon. And Philemon was a man who lived in the city of Colossae in uh, Asia Minor and he became a Christian, a follower of Jesus uh, through the ministry 
of St. Paul himself, either in Colossae or maybe in the city of Ephesus, which was only about 100 miles away from Colossae. And the context is that uh, Philemon, this friend of Paul, uh, has a number of slaves. He is a wealthy man. One of his slaves is uh, a man by the name of Onesimus, which actually means uh, useful. And I should uh, tell you that uh, slavery in the first century uh, Greco-Roman world and culture was a little bit different uh, than the atrocity of American slavery here in our country where slaves were brought here on ships in shackles and they were bought and sold and auctioned uh, like property. In Paul's context and time, a slave might have been a prisoner of war who was counted among the spoils of the war. Uh, there was also a form of slavery in which a person who uh, owed a debt to someone else might uh, put themselves into the position of a slave until that debt was satisfied. The, the name of that type of a slave was a bond servant or a bond slave. And interestingly, St. Paul appropriates that title also to himself as an expression of the debt of gratitude that he owed to Jesus for saving his soul, although the motivation was obviously very different. Anyway, Onesimus, the slave of this man Philemon, runs away from his master's house for reasons that we really don't know. You know, maybe he did something wrong or he stole something or he was in for some sort of a punishment. But what we do know is that being a runaway slave in the first century was uh, a very, very big deal. And it was punishable, among other things, by death at the discretion of the master. And if the slave was captured and not put to death, uh, he would be branded with the letter F for fugitive in Latin. And there were actually uh, professional slave hunters and catchers that would work throughout Asia Minor. And so when Onesimus, this slave, runs from the home of Philemon, his master, he goes all the way to the city of Rome. Uh, where he can blend into the population, elude uh, capture, and maybe even set up and start a new life for himself. And when he gets to Rome, who does he meet there but none other than Paul, his master's friend. And we don't know how that meeting took place. Maybe he was uh, arrested again for something else and wound up in prison next to Paul. Maybe he sought out uh, Paul because of his association with uh, Philemon. We do not know, but what we do know is that because Onesimus and Paul met, it was through the ministry of Paul that Onesimus, the runaway slave, also becomes a Christian. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And so this guy, Paul, is pretty good. And uh, he develops this great affection uh, for Onesimus, the runaway slave, as he has for his friend Philemon. And that is the context in which Paul convinces Onesimus He's got to go back to Colossae. That he can't run from his sin, from his shame. That he has to go back and seek reconciliation with his master, Philemon, because now their relationship has changed. It is different. No longer slave and master, but brothers in Christ. And so to grease the skids for the reconciliation, Paul writes a letter to his friend Philemon, asking him to take back this runaway slave without penalty and to receive him not just as a slave, but as a brother in Christ, along with the promise 
that any damages assigned to the actions of Onesimus should be charged to the account of St. Paul. And the letter, as you heard, is just filled with warmth and, and affection in which Paul refers to Onesimus as his child. Now, there's a very different kind of Father's Day to celebrate. And he also uses this uh, play on words when he talks about Onesimus, whose name means useful, as one who was useless to you, Philemon, but now he is useful both to you and to me because he is our brother in Jesus. Now make no mistake about it, Paul is putting his relationship with Philemon on the line by asking him to do something that just was not done, which was not only to receive this runaway slave back into his house as a brother, but to look at him in a completely dramatically new and different way. Paul is asking Philemon to change his thinking. He is asking Philemon to change his heart with respect to another human being who was created in the image of God and saved by the grace of Jesus. As for his part, Onesimus was betting his whole life on the power of reconciliation in Jesus. Because after all, if Philemon did not agree with Paul's appeal, if he, if he didn't go for it, then that guy was toast. And so on this June 19th, this letter that we have from the writings of uh, St. Paul, short, passionate, powerful, and personal, brings a number of lessons and discoveries to you and me, especially on a day like this. And the way in which Jesus has the power to transform our hearts, to transform our thinking, to transform our lives. Beginning with the transformation of St. Paul himself, who, as you may know, despised all Christians. He hated all followers of Jesus. He terrorized and he persecuted them for much of his life until Jesus turned it completely around and he becomes the guy who writes a letter to the Galatians in which he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, we are all one in Christ. You have no idea how radical a statement that had to be at its time and frankly in this time as, as well. And then there's the transformation of Onesimus himself from being a runaway slave to believing so deeply in the power of reconciliation in Jesus that he dares to go back to the house of his master in the city of Colossae. As for the transformation of Philemon, you know, the scripture does not tell us whether Paul's letter had its desired effect. However, as I have shared with you uh, a time or two before, there is this little postscript from Christian history in which we learn that years after all of this happened, there was in the city of Ephesus, about 100 miles or so from Colossae, a new leader identified for the church, a new bishop, a new chief pastor that was much loved by the people, although his name was a bit unusual. His name was Onesimus which means useful. As to slaves in America prior to Juneteenth, it turns out, ironically, uh, that those slaves were introduced 
uh, to the faith of their enslavers. They were induced to the, introduced to the Christian faith. In fact, they were even given Bibles, which is a way that they learned to read. And yet those Bibles were referred to and are referred to as the slave Bible because they had certain passages deleted from them, like the Exodus from slavery in Egypt so that they wouldn't get carried away with this whole idea of liberation. Or, or St. Paul's words uh, to the Galatians that there is neither slave nor free because we're all one in Christ. You can go to the Museum of the Bible down in Washington, you can find one of those slave Bibles, look at it and think about it. And then even after Juneteenth, you know, we know that there were 800 lynchings in the state of Texas in the following year in that state alone. And that that year also gave birth to a white supremacist terrorist organization known as the Ku Klux Klan, which was led by so-called Christians. And yet, amazingly, the unthinkable happened. And countless American slaves took the faith of their enslavers. And somehow they figured it out that Jesus Christ delivers us from our slavery, from our slavery to sin, including all sin, and that he would deliver them and that he did deliver them. And that caused them to sing a new song, to take their place in the body of Christ in a way that I can only attribute to the action of God himself. And then what about me? What about me? Can God transform my thinking? Can he transform my heart from all the things that I've done or said or thought that have brought offense to God? Can he really wash away, you know, my tendency to judge other people in my life because they happen to sin differently than I do? Can he really give me new eyes that uh, enable me not to judge the people around me on the basis of what they look like? Can he really change my thinking and my heart in a way that enables me to hear his words, love your neighbor as yourself, meaning that their problem is now my problem. Their children are now my children. Their freedom is now my work. And that Micah's call so many hundreds of years earlier to uh, love justice, to do mercy, and to walk humbly with God is my call so that all people would find their place in this one family of God. And the answer to all those questions is, oh yeah, Jesus can do all of that. And he can do even more than that when I believe and trust that God is my Father and that we are all the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and a family that unites at his cross here on earth and someday in heaven. There is an image uh, that comes to me on this June 19th that some of you are familiar with and uh, it originates from an old Roman Catholic monastery which uh, became a liberal arts college in uh, Belmont, North Carolina, just west of Charlotte actually, uh, which was built on a former plantation on which slaves were kept. And when the founding monks uh, went there to build uh, Belmont Abbey, they found a stone there, a massive stone, 
uh, there was actually an auction block, a slave auction block on which slaves were stood and they were bought and sold. And in order to cover up that shame, to hide that history, as is so often our inclination to do, uh, the monks buried that auction block in the ground and they went and they built the abbey. And there it remained for generations until a new day when another group of monks at the abbey dug up the auction block. And they carved a basin into it. And they transformed it into a baptismal font for the abbey's basilica. Where it sits, where it is used to this very day, and where a sign, as you can barely see, is affixed to it, declaring that upon this rock, men were once sold into slavery. And now upon this rock, through the waters of baptism, they are made free. It is a stunning transformation into a vessel of God's grace and a reminder of the one who sets us free from our slavery to sin, from our hatred, from thinking and acting in ways that are offensive to God in order to live this new life in the one family of sisters and brothers who are created in the image of God and for whom Jesus Christ gave his whole life on the cross. And so I wish you the power of reconciliation in your life as we uh, follow the example of the great St. Paul and his good friend Philemon and in our actions and in our words, find ways to declare to one another, to people around us, to those in this broken world that we have been made part of the family of God, that they are free and that freedom has already been won for them at the cross of Christ. And assure them, as I assure all of you today, that whatever you have done, it has been charged to the account of Jesus Christ so that we can be reconciled to God and we can be reconciled to one another in Jesus, our Lord and our Master. And so I thank God for this congregation. I wish you a blessed Juneteenth, a happy Father's Day, the power of reconciliation and joy in the Lord in all of your relationships and in all of your life. Amen.